Well, this has been a, just such a, a fun experience the last few weeks as we moved into the new building. And I know that uh, one thing we enjoy is, I was talking to my father who's a pastor, and he said there's only one person that enjoys, or only one group of people that enjoy a church that is jam-packed and they have trouble parking. And he says that's the preacher. And uh, so he's right. I think it's great, and I love watching y'all struggle to park. So that's a lot of fun. But next week, that all changes. We'll be doing two services and so, of course, well, that'll, be, that'll be a great experience, too. So, y'all, and just let's just enjoy today, all being together. And then, of course, after the service, we're going next door, going to be eating some, uh, some holy pig. And so we'll have a great time of fellowship together. But today we are continuing our series, Brand New. And I was, I was reading a story. I, at, at one point, I did not think anybody could have a worse tattoo than Mike Tyson. Uh, you know, I don't recommend anybody ever getting a tattoo on the side of their face. You know, that just doesn't look that great. But I did hear about one guy who had a tattoo even worse than that. Uh, there was a robbery suspect in England, and the police were looking for him. His name's Wayne Black. And so they went to his neighborhood. They, surprisingly, they did not have a hard time finding him. And the reason why is because tattooed on his forehead was, were the words, I am Wayne Black. Now, that's a great tattoo, isn't it? Uh, now, what makes the story even funnier is that whenever the police uh, approached him, he denied that he was Wayne Black. So, you know, either the guy just had a bad tattoo accident or he was lying. But uh, anyway, there's just a lot of different things in life that identify people. Uh, for Wayne Black, you know, it was this tattoo. Uh, for some of you, what is an identifying feature in your life is your job. Uh, it's your last name. It could be some, even the clothes you wear, the kind of car that you drive, what kind of shape you're in. I mean, there's just a lot of different things in life that identify, point out who we are as people. Now, my fear, though, is that for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that there might be some people who would be surprised to find out that we actually identify ourselves in a relationship with God because of the way that we actually live our lives. And so today as we continue our series brand new, it really is my hope for you and for me, for this church, that the identifying feature about us is going to be the way that we live. And we want the way that we live to give evidence to people around us that we belong to God. And so today we're going to look in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47 in just a few moments. And in our scripture, we're going to look at a group of people who are identified by their community around them because of the way they lived. And when their community around them saw these people, they said, these people are special people. You know, there's something different about their lives. And what was different about their lives is who they were connected to. They were connected to Jesus. And so if we are going to be, if Village Church is going to be a biblical community, there are some very important things that ought to mark our lives, that ought to mark the life of this church. And so if you have your Bible, you can look in Acts chapter 2, verse 44. A little background information here is that a celebration known as Pentecost was going on. Uh, this was 50 days after the Passover, it turned out during this time. It was 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. And so they all came into, uh, they came from all over the, the ancient world in order, if you were Jewish, in order to celebrate Pentecost. 
But on this Pentecost, something unusual happened. Uh, the, the followers of Jesus, like Peter and some of the other disciples, they began to tell people, hey, 50 days ago, Jesus went to the cross and he rose from the grave. This is incredible news. Now, if you try to put yourself outside of church and put yourself into that situation where a guy conquered death, that's impressive. And so they want people to know it. And so they began to teach people this. And you've got to hear this story. And what happened is people who heard this, many of them were touched by the message. And their lives became different. They said, we want to follow this guy. And so it just absolutely transformed a huge group of people. And when they heard this message, they wanted to go back to their homes, which were scattered all over the world, and they wanted more and more people to hear this story about this man named Jesus who changed their lives. And I thought about that, and I thought, that's, that's who we are to be. We are to be a group of people who are mesmerized by Jesus. I mean, y'all, it, it's, we've got to make sure it doesn't just become a story to us, but that we understand that there is a God who is powerful, a God who loves you, and a God who conquered death. And that is a story that's worth telling. And so the question is, how are we going to be marked by this message of Jesus? Like the people in this book we're looking at today. I just want to see three very basic steps that point out to us some distinguishing marks that ought to be a part of our lives or some basic steps that we can, that we can make a part of our lives in order to teach and to disciple and tell others about this God that we serve. So, so what does it involve? Well, the very first step I want you to see that's involved in us being different, the very first thing is that we're going to be a people who share. A people sharing. Now, look with me in verses 44 and 45. It says, now all the believers were together and they had everything in common. So they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Now when it talks about believers, remember they'd all come together to celebrate Pentecost. They were Jewish people. They came together to celebrate this holiday. They, they came from Africa, from Asia, from Europe. I mean, they really did. They came from everywhere. And what happened is we are told that about 3,000 people in one day said, we want to be followers of Jesus. And they were so amazed by this message that it, it, cha it changed their plans. You know, they came to visit and to, to spend some time in Jerusalem and go home. Well, they actually, after this message, they said, we've got to learn more about Jesus. And so they basically established for a short period of time their own community. They said, let's all get together. Let's talk about this Jesus guy. You know, so somebody teach us about him. Let's find out what he means to our lives. And it's really neat. I love the book of Acts because it's an exciting book. You see the people were real excited. And then I, I look at Acts and then I look at the way many people approach their, their faith and their walk with God. And I think, are we that excited about Jesus anymore? To where we're willing to say, we're going to kind of prolong our vacation and just hang out with a bunch of other Christian people. And so that, we can, so that we can learn more about Jesus, about how we can go back home and tell other people about this guy, because he's incredible. Now, if we get to a point where we find that our faith, that Christianity is just sort of a run-of-the-mill thing where you just punch the clock and that's it, guys, let me tell you something. That is not biblical faith, because Jesus is exciting. And how Jesus can touch and change and transform your life is nothing short of a miracle. Jesus will change the way you live and act. 
And one of the ways that he changed the way people lived and act is that you see the people in our text, when they, became to, when they came to know Jesus, they began to share life together. They wanted to be around each other. They shared what they had with each other. As a matter of fact, you can see what they shared with each other. They shared their food with each other. I mean, how many of y'all are willing to do that? You know, they see somebody who's hungry, they share their food. They see somebody who's in need financially, they, they begin to share their finances with each other in order to help each other out. Now, I don't want you to think this text is teaching communism. You know, don't get nervous and say, well, I'm not doing that because that's communism. Uh, that's not what's going on here. What this text is doing is it's showing us the characteristic or the essence of Christianity. You know what it is? Is that when God touches us, a mark that we belong to him is we become generous people. That we become people who want to share. And when that happens, people take notice. If you look in verse number 43, when they saw how these people were living their lives, it says that they were filled with awe. Now this isn't talking about church people. It's talking about the community. The community saw a bunch of people who were followers of Jesus, and they're like, these guys are neat. And it filled the community with awe because of the way they lived and they treated each other. Villagers, if, if we treat each other with love and respect and we share and we care for each other, people will notice. You know why? Because it's very strange for people to be that way. It is in our nature to be selfish. And I am one of them. It is my nature to look out for number one. But when Jesus touches us, it changes us. Now, you say, well, that, that's not true with me. It's not really part of my nature. Let me share with you a story that I'm sure you've heard before, but it demonstrates who we really are as people. Two guys out camping together, enjoying a nice cup of coffee in the morning. They look up, and one of the guys sees a grizzly bear running right at him. It's his best friend he's with. He throws his coffee down, starts putting on his tennis shoes. And his friend sees the bear, and he's like, what, what in the world are you doing? Do you think you're going to be able to outrun the bear? He said, I don't have to outrun the bear. All I have to do is what? That's right, y'all have heard it. The only thing i got to do is outrun you. Now, y'all, that is, that is who we are. And I, you know what? And I'm not going to go camping with any of y'all, because I know y'all are probably the same way. But when I look in Scripture, I see that our faith, is not a faith that is just something we talk about. It is something that changes the very way that we live. It is about action. And when people see us sharing with one another, oh, it gets their attention. They notice that God is in us. Galatians 6.2 tells us that we are to share our burdens with each other. It says carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. When we've been touched by Jesus, when we see those around us who are struggling and maybe in their marriage, who are struggling in their jobs, who are, who are just struggling emotionally, it is our job to, to support each other, to encourage each other. It's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, encourage one another with these words. Jesus touches us, we, we become a people who share. We're sharing people. And there's something special about sharing. Jesus said in Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And, and it really is. Now what should the community see when they look at us? That we're a people sharing. 
If we want to get their attention, we have to be a people who share our lives together. The second thing I want you to see, another step involved in discipling and telling others about Jesus is that we're also going to be a people fellowshipping. Okay, we're going to share, but we're also going to fellowship with each other. Now look in verse 46. It says, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Now, I like this because this text doesn't just point out, you know, how, how did these people, how did they act when they were at church? It, it points out how these people live their lives outside of the temple. Now, if you have friends, I mean, you might say, y'all need to come look at me, look at my life, and see how I behave when I'm at church. I mean, my guess is for most of you, it's going to be fairly, I guess, fairly impressive you know, he's so pious when he's at church. That's not that hard to do. Y'all, I look good up here. You know, when I'm in church, I'm doing real well. Where it's really tough is when I'm not here. And so that's the question for us. How has Jesus changed you, not when you're in this building? How has he changed you when you're outside of this place? When I look in our text, I see one thing that happened is the people enjoyed life together. They actually liked each other. You know, it says that they gathered together. They, they shared food together. They had people come over and eat with them. You have to really like somebody before you invite them over into their house. It also says that they gathered together daily at the temple complex. All right, now for some of you, that might make you nervous. You might be thinking, now, are you saying that we have to come to church every day at Village Church? Because if, if we do, I'm out of here. It's not what it's talking about. Uh, they went to the temple every day at 9 o'clock and 3 o'clock for prayers. It was the customary hour of prayer. But I think what this text is showing us is that people enjoy, believers enjoy people. They enjoy each other because we've been touched by Jesus. Uh, in Hebrews 10.25, it says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Now, you might say, why do we need to hang out together? Now, some of you are naturally, or any of y'all, don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm sure some of you are naturally introverted. And some of you are very gregarious and extroverted. There are some people that just really enjoy being with people, and they like people around them all the time. Y'all, by nature, I am an introvert. Um, now, I can, I, I, you know, I, I like to be around people, but then I, I don't, this, is gonna, this doesn't sound great, but it's just true, and some of you might identify with me. People, I enjoy people, but people drain me. If I'm around people for a long time, I get tired. Now, some of you, you get energized when you're with people all the time, and you kind of people scare me. Um, uh, Shannon Brown, who's our small groups pastor, he loves to be with people. He's energized by people all the time, and he's always happy. And I'm like, gosh, please quit. And so, you know, some of us are, some of us are very different, but as believers, we do have a desire to be with each other and care for each other. Now, some of you might say, I don't need people. And, and you can, some of you can, you can, you can survive without relationship, but there's a big difference between surviving and thriving. And God has put us together in order to support each other and to love each other. And that is a mark of believers so that when people look at you and they look at this church in particular, they ought to see that we enjoy each other, that we love each other, that we care for each other. 
And when that happens, people are going to pay attention. People always pay attention when they see people loving one another. As a matter of fact, our text said that they, when they came together, they came together in sincerity. That word sincere means a pure heart. They came together in purity. They came together in sincerity. They came together and they became satisfied. You know, when we love each other, people notice. I have a story about this. There was, uh, in 1943, the USS Dorchester was a major ship for, in World War II, and it was heading out, going, going over across the Atlantic, over into Europe. But as it was going across Europe, a German U-boat intercepted it and torpedoed it. After the boat was hit, it was immediately, it was, began to sink immediately, and the sailors, there's 900 American sailors on board, four chaplains. As it's going down, everybody, of course, as you can imagine, screaming out, we're going down, we're going down. Everybody began to grab their life jackets, they began to go to the lifeboats, but there's some men that could not find their life jackets, and the boats were filling up. They didn't have enough lifeboats you know, for every single, every single sailor. And so one of the men who, did not, who could not find his life jacket ran to a chaplain, and he said, I cannot find my life jacket. And the chaplain took his life jacket off. He said, take mine. All four chaplains ended up giving up their life jackets to four different sailors who had lost their life jacket. The ship went down. The story is that the four chaplains linked arm in arm, and they prayed together as the ship went under. There's nothing that could be done to rescue those men. Whenever the story got out, you can imagine that got everybody's attention. Congress got a hold of the story, and they awarded the Distinguished Service Cross to all four men posthumously. You know, when, when people love and care for each other, people take note because it's different. It is not in our nature to love and to care for people outside of ourselves. And yet as believers, when Jesus touches us, we change. A village that's been touched by Jesus will be a place where people are filled with love and sacrifice. It's why Jesus said this in Luke 9, 23 and 24. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. Now what, what do we look like as a, as a church, you know, as people? People see us outside of this place. Well, what they should see, and one way that we can really impress people, is that when they see that we are people sharing, that we are people who fellowship together. And this is the last thing I want you to see. Another mark, distinguishing mark in our lives, is that we are going to be a people multiplying. And this is the last verse I'll read to you today. Verse 47, it says, They were praising God, and they were having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Now, if people look at us, and they see that we are people who are caring for each other, that we're sharing with each other, that we're fellowshipping together, let me tell you something, they're going to want to be a part of a community like that. It's like when you go to a restaurant, and you see like the parking lot's jam-packed, and people come out like smiling. What are you thinking? I'm eating there. You know, I want to go there. Man, people should have the same idea about the church, about believers. That when they see us, they think, I want some of that. And that looks good. That's a place I want to be. Because when we live that way, people take note. Now, if we don't live that way, it's a turnoff. 
Uh, a number of years ago, Emily's cousin uh, had moved to California, and he met a girl out there, and they're getting married. They're getting married in Carmel, California, the uh, Monterey. I don't know if y'all have ever been there. It is, it is beautiful. And so I was excited about going there because one of the things we're going to get to do is play golf. Um, I am not a great golfer, but I like to play. And so we're going out there. We're going to get to play at the Monterey uh, Country Club, which butts up to Pebble Beach. I mean, it is a nice place. And so we go out there, and we're having a great time. And it's just, I was, I'm with Emily's other cousin, who I get along with very well. And so we're out there playing. And, and so after nine holes, I'm kind of I'm hungry and thirsty. So I walk in to this place. This is a super nice club. So I walk in, and I was like, I'd like to get a, I'd like to get a Coke and a candy bar. And so they're like, sure. So the lady comes back. She has the Coke and a candy bar. And I get my wallet out, and I pull out some cash. She goes, oh, we don't, we don't take cash. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's fine. I've, I've, got a, I've got a credit card. And she goes, we don't. We don't take credit cards either. And I'm thinking, well, this is awesome. You know, it's free. Uh, so, uh, so I'm looking at her, I was like, okay. And she goes, we only take member cards. And I was like, well, I'm not a member. And uh, the member was Emily's aunt who was not with us, so that member card had to be there. So I don't have a member card. And she said, well, then you can't get a Coke and a candy bar. And she, and I'm not lying. And she walks off. And I'm sitting there uh, in a, in a great Christian spirit and attitude, I jumped over the counter and I, I ate that candy bar anyway. No, I'm kidding. I, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm looking, I was like, you got to be kidding me. It was like the most, it's the most beautiful place, and yet it was, this is years ago, so maybe they've changed. But it was the most unfriendly thing that I, I was like, I, I just want a candy bar and a Coke. I couldn't even do that. Y'all, on top of that, and uh, this is beyond more than you want to know, I couldn't even use the restroom there because I didn't have a member key. How crazy. I'm not lying. And so it was not a place that was very welcoming. I still remember that place to this day, not because I felt welcome, but because it still ticks me off. All right, now, whenever we have that kind of a spirit, people take notice. But when we are a people who are loving and generous, man, people love that. Verse 47, they were enjoying the favor of all the people. All the people. And so I just want to close with this, with this, this question that I'd like for you to think about, and for me to think about, and the, the testimony of our church, what, you know, what is it really? You know, when people see the community of, of believers of Jesus who make up this particular fellowship, when they see us at work, when they see us at the ball field, when they see us driving down the road in traffic, when they see us in the hospital, hurting and suffering what do people what do people see about us that makes us different when people look at us and they see us in those different circumstances what do they see they see Jesus do they see a god who's changed us or do they see just somebody who does a lot of talking about god but there's not a whole lot of difference in the way that we live. See, one thing that I love about the church that's talked about in Acts is these people didn't just come together for a once-a-week affair. Their faith was about their daily lives. Because you see, when Jesus touches us, he changes us. And he doesn't just change us on Sunday mornings. You know, he changes us Sunday through Saturday. Now, there's some things that should define us, that define the believers in the book of Acts. You see, they were a people, 
very simply, that were sharing, they were people who fellowshiped, and they were people who were multiplying. See, when people saw them, they said, we want some of that. When people see us, boy, I hope people say, I want some of that. I want Jesus. Because Jesus makes us different.